You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. I'm Avram Kibalevich, and I'm here with Rav Nelson Glick. I hear the minor birds chirping out the windows of Ashkelon. And here, of course, in New Jersey, where I am, um, the snow is finally beginning to melt after uh, some continuous days of, of sunshine. Uh, and we are on the precipice, really, of leaving this winter of our discontent and heading into the Yemei HaGulah, uh, one of the most uh, often quoted Chazal, <laughs> as you know. What, what is so funny? <laughs> uh, the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by the son of York. Yes. Uh, so yes. We should yes. figure out some sort of gematria for York. You know, Yud, Vav, Resh, Kuf. What would that be? You know, 300 and... Yes, well, Meshayakir. Yes, yes, well, definitely Yurokos are on people's mind. Uh, not, not the massacre ah, of New York, but clearly, alas, poor, alas, poor Yerik, we knew them well. Way back in <laughs> Poland, we knew our potatoes much better than, and, and really, that's really sort of the gulf we're going to talk about between Galut's life, Galut life, and Eretz Israel life. But I want to start with one of the, the, the most um, often quoted Chazal, um, that uh, Klal Yisrael were uh, and the third one, um, there is a, a discussion whether it's Malbusham or not. Um, I don't think that's a correct, I think there are some sources that say that. But I think the, 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 the most essential ones are Shloshinu es Shmom and Shloshinu es Lushinu es. Uh, that they did not alter their language, that despite the fact that I guess it was useful to incorporate as much of Mitzri talk as possible, um, within themselves at least, as a people, they kept firm to a language that was being assaulted by the society around them, because clearly when you are put into a society that speaks and has different terms for different objects and aspects and states of mind, it's only natural to adopt that. And yet there was a stubbornness of keeping that language. Now that language, of course, is the language we know uh, today. We would call it language HaTanach, um, a language that we know is also, Rav Nelson, um, clearly insufficient to cover a modern world just using terminology from Tanakh itself. There needs to be expansion. The language can't be just mummified in order to work. And yet, you are as uh, you you know as well as I, the Ramban, of course, um, and 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 others have written that by the time Bias Rishon rolled to an end, that indeed was the case. The language that that, that Shirashirim is written in the language of, of, of power and beauty uh, was a language that was somewhat sanctified and studied, but it wasn't necessarily the day-to-day language. The Ramban and the Chassam Sofer also famously uh, elaborates on this, talking about the fact that 
by the time the first, by the time the Hurban occurred, we actually had this double standard where there was this holy tongue that people knew and that perhaps Nevi'im gave their uh, ad, 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 exhortations and speeches in. And then there was the common language, whether it was, it was a form of Aramaic that um, was more the people's talk, which of course becomes the language of Talmud Bavli and Talmud Yerushalmi. Uh, leaving, that's right, leaving the Loshon uh, Kodesh as the language to study, the language to learn, the language to delve into, the language to find great Kabbalistic reservoirs of of power and in, in terms of letters and words coming together. Um, so there's a, a conundrum really now, <laughs> because here we have uh, in our in our stage before the Geula in a way, living most of Klal Yisrael is on its way to be living in Eretz Yisrael, a place where you, uh, Nelson, I know, have not only learned this language, but have learned to love it to thrive in it, uh, to appreciate it. Uh, this language that we know is, as we said right before we started uh, recording, has been accused of being a, a, an ugly bastardization of the language of Tanakh, a language that the Satmarov, ringing that same bell that some cipher rang, uh, has said is it is a it is it is a travesty of the greatest order that that this Jew should be adapting and, and using these, these, these terms that were not the Loshon HaKodesh, but are Ivris, Ivrit, and this, it's, it's actually a language of Tuma because it takes aspects of, of great holiness, the, the, the holy words and verbs and nouns that are found in Tanakh and elaborates upon them expanding them and altering them in, in ways that make them unrecognizable and and perhaps uh, completely uh, undermine the Kedusha. So that's the, so that's the sort of the, yes, we, 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 uh, we love this language. On the other hand, I want you to try to convince me and all our listeners that there's actually a, a not only an advantage to, and, and, and a Torah advantage in being fluent and thinking, perhaps, even getting to the point where I know your grandchildren think in Ivrit, they just don't speak it. Tell me why, on a, on, from a Kabbalistic level and perspective, not a level perspective, it's the right thing to do, to actually be on the, uh, on the forefront of, of the advancement of this language. Okay, I gave you a lot of time to think. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, there's there's so many things that I would that I would like to say. I mean, it, it, first of all, it's pretty obvious to me, at any rate, that if you're going to if you're going to speak in Ivrit, okay, that firstly, I I found that Ivrit is very far from being a bastardized version of anything. It is simply the same language as. That we, that we know from the Tanakh, that we know from the Siddur, that we know from the Gemara. 
Oh, there's there's plenty of Gemara lashonis which are which are integrated into into spoken Hebrew, um, and that's kind of that kind of floored me, you know. But aside from Abba and Ima, which are which are you know classical Aramaic terms, um, I was sitting in a I was sitting in a in a in a meeting some you know some uh, something having to do with uh, with. Uh, education department in Auckland, you know, and the lady who's running the, the meeting says, he has mentioned the Kabel et Hamaskanot, the Hamaskanot te Katevna, the Tishalachna, the Kulchem. So using a the word, so the word Maskana, the word Maskana it, means a conclusion in modern spoken Hebrew. Right, it, which is taken ex- from the Talmudic mindset of what's the Havamina, what's the Maskana, yes. So right. okay, although Havamina is not is not uh, is not Havamina didn't make it. <laughs> no, Havamina didn't make it, but probably for good reason because it's 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 really very, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't really it's not doesn't really name the thing. Uh, Shakla Vataria though, um, in, if you're if you're on a high enough level would would uh, would make sense. Um, but anyway, you have to differentiate also that there's a. There's a language that's commonly spoken by by ordinary people, which is not very sophisticated. And and some people might make the argument that that language is becoming is becoming more and more, you know, decadent as time goes on because people are not connecting to the sources. People are not connecting to the original text, and and people use pretty a pretty low level you know language for ex- for expressing themselves. I I happen to. To be somewhat on a on a level, even when I talk to ordinary people, you know, to go shopping or something, my Hebrew tends to be several, you know, several notches above your average, you know, your average person. So, um, so, so is it really? I'm going to challenge that. Is it, so again? For, you, you know, of course, there is a um, uh, a whole bunch of theories of languages about what the, you know, right. language is. The Rambam and other medievalists felt, uh, based on Chazal, that Chazal aligned with this, that you have these these arc languages. Even the whole concept of translating Megillus Esther or the or the Torah into certain languages means that there's certain terms, that there's certain uh, uh, ultimate terms, there's certain objective terms, and they find their ultimate translation or their only translation within some other language. And there's these seventy languages which are which 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 exist unchanged. We know that this goes completely against the idea, the sociological concept of how language develops and changes. And when you right. speak to your cashier in, you know, in some sort of florid, you know, uh, elevated type of, of expressions, which might have been the, you know, the way the original Hebraist well, you know, spoke 40 really. years ago, and say they might say, hmm, that, that person is not really conversing with us. He's, he's, he, he's, he's tethered to even tethered is probably going to be out of style in English soon. But they're tethered to these 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 constructs that aren't true anymore. Language is 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 is, is alive. It changes. It you know, uh, and um, right. Yeah. How, however, look, I'll, I'll I'll put it to you. What I what I meant to say. I mean, if I if I go to a if I if I go to a vegetable store, I'm going to ask the you know I'm going to ask the uh, the person. You know, running the place. We're going to ask the person at the cashier. You know, kama ole kilo shel adama. Okay, so I mean, there's not much that you can that you can play around with that. That happens to be 100% uh, biblical, word for word, except for the word kilo, which is a which is obviously a, a modern word. wasn't was made up 
you know, to signify a certain measure that uh, that didn't exist back in in, the, in previous you know previous yeah. ages. How about tapuche adama? That's you know, not tapuche adama is not in Tanakh. No, tapuach certainly is, and adama is, and it's what's so, so it's a new you know it's it's a new creation, but. It, once again, there were no there were no tapuchei adama in Eretz Yisrael at the time of the Tanakh. Anyway, uh, you know, I mean, there were malafafonim and kishuim, as as you as you know from from uh, your sefer uh, Bamidbar, okay, and those are commonly used. Except the queen, you know, according to Rashi, what we call malafafonim are actually kishuim, and when, when right, they, and there and there and there is a great debate about what these things are. Like, what is Oreis and Dochen is one of the the the, the, the most important machlokim in Chazal. You know, you have this incredible debate. What again? There's there's well, use, there's using the terms and then using a consensus to decide. And sometimes those consensus are are not. Uh, are, are, again, I'm not challenging you, but you know as no. well as I do that like one of the the greatest um, uh, things which which shocks people is what is a nesher, right? Can nesher yoyer kino, right? The nesher, the play nesher in the Merkava. So we can get straight to Kabbalah there. Hmm. A Nesher? Well, was it a vulture? A vulture. <laughs> yes. Here are the great. Here are the great images of the Merkava. You have the Pnei Adam, the Pnei Hashor, the Pnei Ari, and what about me, the vulture? <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for that carcass to, to show up, right? <laughs> right. And well, anyway, I I don't I'm. Look, I, w- I would kind of kind of unsure whether whether nesher um, actually would mean a vulture in local Hebrew, and I think primarily because uh, you know vulture is a carrion bird and and an eagle has much more has much more I don't know dignity. But anyway, whatever the case, the fact that the fact that people might be using the word nesher to misname something or or ores and dochan, you know, to use um, not exactly for the proper. Uh, you know, species, or, or or let's say, or let's say shibolet shual, used for oatmeal, oats. which it might not be. Oats, I would you know, say which, probably which definitely not, not. As much okay. as okay. Although Rashi, probably, you know, Rashi says that uh, you know, Rashi, Rashi, you know, people, yeah. people, 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 you know, people who can't have gluten are eating are eating oatmeal matzahs on Pesach. So, yeah. so you don't want to you know knock Rashi too much on that point. But anyway, what I'm what I'm saying is that the language the language is fundamentally the same language as the Tanakh. So you really have to ask the serious question. You know, if this is a a Lushan Kodesh, then then what makes it advisable for us to use it? What makes it permissible for us to use it? And I think that's I think that's a serious question. And if you're going to use it, if you're going to use it for Nivul Peh or for Lushan Hara or or whatever, I mean, listen, Hashem Hashem Yirachem, okay, you know, don't don't speak Hebrew. If you're going to speak, you know, if you're going to speak Lushan Hara and Drek, you know, speak in English, speak in Turkish, speak any other language that you want, but don't, you know, I, and I would I would say that very you know very straightforwardly. Um, the other thing, the other thing that I think is that is that there is a ta'elas, um, in the sense that you're definitely makadesh, your perceptual universe by using this language, whether you like it or not. Very simple, mundane levels, it connects you to Zvar Hashem, or you know whether once again whether you like it or not, or whether you intend to or not, because the language is fundamentally the same language. And and one of the things that I would like to correct, if there is a perception out there, is that somehow, you know, 
spoken modern Hebrew is a completely different language. So the Talmud Chacham has absolutely no reason why to, you know, why why to know this language or why or why to try to speak it or why to try to be conversant in it. And you don't realize, you know, how much of it actually goes straight back to the Tanakh. And if you know your modern Hebrew really well, on a, on a somewhat literate level, okay, then then you have a connection to the to the sources from which it comes. So it's not a bastardized version of of uh, lashon hakodesh. It is lashon hakodesh. There's only the one major difference between, shall we say, biblical Hebrew and and the way that Hebrew is currently spoken has to do with <clears throat> excuse me has to do with the vav hamahafech. Right, that you know, there's a there's a letter vav that that switches verbs from future tense to past tense and from past tense to future tense. Okay, so so whenever you say vayar elokim, okay, so technically the word you know the 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 ra'ah the the root of seeing, okay, which which is uh, which is implied there. Is in the future because it has a yud in front of it, and all all yuds, all you know, letter, all verbs beginning with yud are conjugated in the future tense. Except that when you put a vav in front of them, it turns ra, it turns it turns yire into vayar, and vayar is already past tense. And all of the chumash and all the tanakh is full of this, which makes it all rather rather, rather complicated. And most of the time, that people learn tanakh and they don't they don't get what they're reading, it's because when you say vayedaber Hashem al Moshe lemor. Okay, what is this Yidabel? Moshe, what, Hashem is going to speak to Moshe? I thought he spoke to Moshe. And you don't know that Vayidabel means he spoke because you take the future tense verb and you put a Vav in front of it with a Patach under the Vav and you switch it to past tense. Does modern Hebrew have, have the Vav HaMahapech or not? No, of course not. Of course, it would be, it would, it would, you know, things would be really incomprehensible if it did. And by the way, the Vav HaMahapech, I think it went out of, or Vav HaMahapech, with a dagesh in the pay, I don't know. Um, I think went out of style. Even even at the time of Chazal, people, you know, people didn't use that. I don't think there's an example of a vav hamahapech in the in the uh, in the Mishnah, or in you know any other Hebrew text from that period of, from that period of time. So, you know, so it's something that was current in at a, you know in the in the time of Mamash, the you know time of the Nevi'im, the you know time of the Torah. The okay, so not. current afterwards it stopped being used. Okay, but what right would people have to just, you know, walk away from that? That's the language, the, the language, as the Ramban says in last week's Parsha, um, Parsha's Kisisa, when he talks about Loshon HaKodesh, the language of, that the world was created Hello? in. Yes, the language of the creation of the world. Are we back here? I don't know. Can you? I'm here. Yes, okay. The it, looks Ramban, like it looks like you're back, yeah. The Ramban speaks about the language that the world was created in, the language of, of creation. This is the, 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 the uber language. And if, if it has these rules that the Rishonim and others have delineated for us, um, how, what right would we have to sort of like dismiss them and abandon them? If, uh, in, you know, if you're going to say that language is built and develop just like your your cashier feels that the Kabbalist is speaking in some florid language beyond, just like the Cockney uh, uh, grocer 
probably feels that the Shakespearean uh, uh, elocutionist is is not really speaking English. If I, I can accept that, and I can accept the fact that language is a reality that's on the ground. Um, one of my favorite uh, students points out to me, and he pointed out when he teaches a class, how language changes when he tries to get people to learn the Gemara, which people sometimes say, I can't do it. The Aramaic is just too hard. And part of it is is, is shifting your, 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 your perceptions and recognizing that sometimes, for example, in modern English, <laughs> it's become, and the, and, right, sick means great, right? Right, man, that's sick. Right, and what does sick mean? It means the opposite of something that's weak. Sick means, oh, that's real sick, man. That's right, or um, bad. I'm not familiar with that usage, by the way. Yes, yes. Oh, it's become. It's become. You know, there's bad. There's there's bad, which is good. Bad is good. Sick becomes positive, Um, and, and 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 when that occurs, if you're out of touch with that one could say that you're not really speaking the language. The language is determined by uh, numbers, the amount of people that are speaking it, what's what's the most common. And uh, uh, once there is a, uh, a, a consensus that this is the way that people are speaking, then you're right, Vava Mahapech and any of those other things need to be abandoned because they're just so confusing. But are you going to really tell me that once you're stripping away elements of Loshna Kodesh, right? Elements of, uh, and, and, and let, let me make it even further. When we're talking about terms like, you know, terms uh, a modern period, where what's the main term you're looking for? Your telephone, your computer, right? Right. So w- one of the words that probably comes into your mind the most is Mechashiv, right? Which I know is connected, but terms and and, and 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 words that don't find any well maybe you could find the resonance in the cousin in Chazal I mean in, in, in Tanakh but when our society is is dealing with you know cell phone atar for example atar you know with, atar, what, atar is a, that's Aramaic that's Gemara that's Aramaic I know that's, that's, atar, that's, atar. Uh, but that's not atar what, internet Right. You know, Atari, so internet is is obviously not traditional. And, and Atar is Aramaic. Atar is not Lashon Hakodesh. Atar is Aramaic, right? Yeah. right? Okay. Chipus is found in Tanakh, right? Lachapes, but but Atar obviously. Right. So so basically, the, yeah, lachapes, you know, most of the term, Yes. So most of the it turns out the majority of of what you are uttering. And the, the terms aren't really found directly in in in, in the corpus of Tanakh. Yeah, they are, with 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 oh, once again with very with very few exceptions. Okay, but let me let me just let me just get back to your thing about Bav Hamahafech. Okay, you can't, and I darn it, I have to I I, I think it's Hapech with the with, with the Dagesh, but guilty. The point that I, the point that I want to make here is that. It is never. It is even in biblical Hebrew. It is not incorrect, okay, to say, "Vahashem diber el Moshe." Okay, it's absolutely correct. It's completely perfect Hebrew. There was this vav hamaha. You know, there was this magic vav. Okay, which for whatever reason, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu preferred to use, okay, and which people apparently used in regular in regular speech this thing this thing fell out of fell out of use at a certain point we don't have any you know part of the reason why we we according to the rambam you know when we when we do Esrei, because this is these these are the words invented by anshe knesset Gaila. you know so the rambam's shita was is that is that the, the language had become um i guess bastardized or corrupted sure. You know, most says. people didn't know how to speak a proper Hebrew, so therefore Chazal were metakein this, uh, you know, these these brachot. So, you, you know, you knew that you were speaking in proper Hebrew. Hello, still there? Yes. Anyway, I mean, I'll I would dare you to find a vav to find a vav hamahapech in any of the tefilot that Chazal were mesader for us. Okay, so apparently they didn't think that it was such a critical aspect of lashon hakodesh that. Uh, you know that that they would that they would use it in 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 Shmuel like Hebrew Hebrew is Hebrew even without that. It's a it's a I know I wouldn't want to say it's a curiosity, but it's a, it's a you know it's a certain element that exists at a certain period of time and passes at a different period of time. But once again, the language is stable. You still you still have you still have the the same three word three letter shorashim. You have the same conjugations. You still have the same, uh, you know, kal nifel pl pual hif il hafal and and hitpael. Those things are those things are constant, and they continue to be constant today. Right, and so therefore, I think it's a it's a very great madrega to be able to actually speak speak lashon kodesh. It comes, you know, it comes with a price tag, right? You know, you have to use it properly. Right. But if you can, it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing. And on some level, you know, when I walk outside and I hear people speaking it, 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 you know, it gives me a warm, fuzzy glow in my heart. You know, just hearing ordinary people use words that are sometimes very sophisticated in terms of where they come from. Right. And um, I, I, so it, it definitely I guess, I guess definitely, like if I if I was a sat, if I was a I would be going Mishir because I know it, you know they're cursing each other in Hebrew also well, mostly they curse each other in Arabic around around this part of the country you know uh, it, it definitely which, is, um, actually it, brings me to an anecdote yeah, if that, you, yeah. you're frozen now. Kafata. There, back. Okay. So um, when I was um, a new Rav over here, I you know, more or less got off the plane a couple of years previously, and I, I tried out for my shtel in uh, Moshav Tukuma. So I delivered my first uh, sermon, you know, and uh, carried myself, I thought, quite well. And people liked it, except that some of the people came up to me after the after the drasha. They said, "You know, we like the drasha, but you shouldn't have used all of that all of that um, low society slang. They called they called it svatrachol, you know, you know, street language." And I said, "I'm not aware of that. I'm using any street language. I mean, you know, I'm using modern Hebrew." And they kind of challenged me on that, and they and and they and they said, no, 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 you're using, you know, you're using street language. It's not, uh, it's you know, not not appropriate. Well, language like what? So sababa, for instance, you said sababa, and then pretty soon I got the I got the idea exactly what they were talking about is that every loan word 
that comes from Arabic is street language. And every loan word that comes from English is academic language. Okay. So that kind of, you know, that kind of showed me something, kind of takes me, takes me back a little bit to, you know, you and Rabbi Bechhofer's uh, discussions about, about the Arabs and Geret Toshav. I mean, actually, Arabic culture is, is quite devalued. Um, maybe it's less, maybe the situation is less bad now than it was back then. But obviously, you can tell if every Arabic line, loan word that some, uh, that some Sephardi Ole brought with them from Morocco or from Tunisia or from Iraq, you know, is, is a gutter, gutter talk, you know, and all of the English words that, uh, that somebody brings from, uh, I don't know, from England or something, you know, though that's, that's considered highfalutin, that's considered uh, sophisticated talk, then you kind of know, okay, what culture is being valued and what culture is being devalued. Right, yeah, I, which, which doesn't, yeah. so I think that I got, off, I got off the plane, you know, yeah, I got off the plane and I figured fastus that that you would have a number of, of languages that were making contributions to contemporary Hebrew. And I w- walked out in the street and I bought my tomatoes in the stroke and I and I did my I did my reading in the public library and I talked to people and I found out what people were saying. So I was happy to adopt all sorts of words, be they Arabic or be they or be they English, if it was if I felt it was part of the you know current you know current language. After that. I kind of said to myself, you know what, I'm going to stick as much as possible to, to really, you know, emistic a Hebrew. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do that. As a rule, I tend to succeed, except with, you know, words like internet, telephone, um, you know, which, are, which cannot be, uh, you know, uh-huh. I, can, I can make up a word for it, but, but no one will understand what I mean. There are plenty of words, by the way, that, I mean, there's an academy, you know, Academia Lelashona Ivrit, which is kind of ironic because the word Academia is, is, from, is from the Greek. Um, but um, they try very hard to make words up that are founded in Hebrew and hope, hope that they get accepted. So, you know, their original, their, their original um, candidate for telephone was Sachrak. Which understandably did not get adopted. What would, can you help me out with that? Why is that the word for telephone? Because sichara choka. Aha, sachrak. Aha, yeah. A, a different, a different word, by the way, that really did get accepted. Okay, and is used today is a ramzor. Right. Right. Ramzor is a stop. Is a is yeah. A I know what it is. Sure. 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 It's a, so right. And, and, and ramzor is a contraction for remez or mm-hmm. it's a light that has hints to something like stop okay so that one so that one got that one got adopted um whatever whatever they tried to come up with for television never got adopted so television remains televisia um which is know, raised which is basically again a yiddish version of uh, of television right that's the way yeah, that, yeah that, that's the word, exact, the exact same the exact same way my grandmother spoke about it tzindun de televisia that was you know turn on the television um, you know it might be it might be that way in any in any eastern european uh, language also i don't know um, yeah yeah right i agree but, but anyway i yes i thought that you know in in preparation for this uh, for this discussion i would find an old you know doctor's deuce book translated into into hebrew and and uh, use it as a springboard to discuss all the incredible and authentic uh which you can get in a hebrew version of dr zeus 
Unfortunately, our, my Dr. Seuss library has been depleted now that I no longer have children living here. Yeah. You know, but I, I did I did find I did find a, a old well it's not so old did find I did find a book here it's one of the few children's books that are still left to us here and it's called Basmicha Li Yesh Mechila and it's about a little girl who likes to hide in her blanket when she's sick and I guess she pretends that she's some sort of animal burrowing into the ground. Okay, um, so so the word mechila means uh, like a tunnel, right? Is that yes. what it is? Uh -huh. Yes. Now tell me where, but tell me where you know that from, and I'll give you I'll give you a hint. It's a lashon chazal, and it has to do with chiyas amesim. Well, I know so, when we talk about mechilot, mechilot, that they're going to the the bodies will right. come. Will, Gilgul mechilot, right? Gilgul mechilot. Um, I don't remember where it is in, in, in Tanakh itself as a tunnel, but I'm sure there's. A... Ha, ha, ha. Yes, there is here, and it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty powerful uh, it's a pretty powerful um, pasuk. Okay, um, I'll give I'll give I'll give two psukim here. Okay, just because I like the psukim so much, they're they're, they're very powerful. This is in it's in Yeshayahu Perik Bet. Bayom Hahu. This is, you know, Hashem is coming. Now, Lachapor Perot is, is, in contemporary Hebrew, it's called a Chafal Feret. It's a mole. Okay, so apparently in Yeshayahu's time, in Yeshayahu's time, the word was was composed of two words. Okay, so basically you're going to take these getchkas, you're going to take these idols, and you're going to throw them into holes where they can be worshipped by moles and bats, which also live in caves. Right? Um, they will come into um, into tunnels or caves in cliffs. Hmm, just a second. In the cliffs, afar and into tunnels through the dirt. Uh, from, you know, from the fear of Hashem and His glory, when He comes to thrash the earth. Okay. So there you have there you have the word machilot. The it it occurs only once in the Tanakh. This is on the only place that it occurs. Okay. And, and 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 it becomes uh, adopted. And I thank you for your bikiyos okay. Tanakh. Of, but now it no, becomes it's adopted. Not quite. It, it just it's it's the, we are in the you know idan ha internet. So uh, you yes. know bikiyot is is uh, yeah. idan. There another never more than, another, a, never more another, than a keyboard uh, away. Another Aramaic word that you find in Uncle is idan as in the terms of time, right? right. In terms of era or time, um, and. Um, so and 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 clearly, whoever you know, you know, I always had this idea it was Ben Yehuda and company, but whoever it is, was, was, yeah, whoever was, was that, yeah, these these you know, Mevinim that adopting it and uh, stamping it as proper for this new people that were going to speak this new language. I mean, they were obviously very caught up 
with the excitement. And okay, mechila, mechila. That's going to be the term that we're going to promote because there's a lot of tunnels and a lot of digging and there's a lot of archaeology, etc. That's going to be the term that we're going to promote based on this Pusik in Yeshayahu. Uh, what about smicha? I mean, you. Uh, oh, yeah. yes, smicha. Well, smicha is commonly known. Everybody knows that it's a blanket, but there's a bit more. There's a, there's a bit of backstory to, to the word smicha. Um, it, also is, it also is a word that only occurs once. Um, it's a. Um, Hapex legomina, I think the I think the technical term for that is. It's a, it's a, it's a word that occurs once, and it, it occurs in Sefer Shoftim, where you have um, where you have Sisra is running away from Barak ben Avinoam, you know, sure. and um, yep. And, so, and he and he is taken in by Yael Eishes Chaver Taken in by Yael, right? So, and so Yael goes out to meet Sisra, Vatomer Elav, Sura Adoni, Sura Elai, Altira, come to me, come to me, don't be afraid. So, if a, if a woman says, come to me, come to me, don't be afraid, you should probably be afraid, you know. <laughs> and he comes into the tent, and she covers him with a smicha. What's a smicha? Well, nobody really knows, actually. Although the Targum says it's a guncha. Um, Rashi says, Targum Yonatan guncha. The Ufpiresh Rav Hai, guncha is a klufkarion. Well, anyway, something in, something in Greek. Uh, and the Radak um, Brings down Uper Shravhai Glubkara and his Karbidivre Razal is a Kuta, Belaz, Uvarvi, it's a Guabi, Kilashona Talgum, Uhu Kasut Av, Hayutsimenu Tsitsiot, Penatsemel, Behol Pene Hakasut. Venere Kimibne Zenikre Smicha, it's called a Smicha because it's thick. So there you go. I mean, it's a one time word in Tanakh. Ravhai. You know, made a point of uh, of remembering, you know, what the what the uh, what a proper translation for that is, and uh, it became adopted straight into contemporary contemporary Hebrew. And by the way, smicha, unlike unlike maybe mechila, which is not such a terribly well used word, but uh, smicha certainly certainly is. And and here you have a, a child's book, you know, basmicha sheli yesh mechila. In my blanket, there is a tunnel. Uh, and not by the way, not by the way, a forgiveness. There's no forgiveness in the tunnel. It's just, and and just to and just to add just another note, okay. Um, the text actually reads Basmihashli Yeshmachila Bhol Pam Shani Hola Ani Hoferit Vehoferit Uvifnim as Mistateret. Um okay, so I I have a, I have a blanket. You know, I when I'm sick, I dig into it and I hide in, inside the blanket. Um, above me there is a roof, on the side there is a wall. aldati, come out, my daughter. Kacha aba maftir. The word maftir, he's begging, he's begging, he's pleading. Where now? Where does that word come from? 
Okay, that's already Parshas Parshas Vayira, of course, by Leit Vayiv. Yes, right? even yes, even ordinary Bnei Tyre should know Vayavtsir by Lot. He was begging the begging the Malochim to come into uh, right. you know to come into his home, and he made a Masiba and he made matzahs for them. So, so anyway, so there you there you have it. I just want, you know wanted to stand up for the stand up. I can't. I can't say whether whether it's necessarily a good thing that uh, that uh, people started speaking Russian Akkadish Um and I think that it's not a great thing if they don't do a bit of Shmira Salashan along with it. Um, but I, you know, but if anybody making the claim that it's not a legitimate form of Hebrew is, I think, in my opinion, severely misguided. Uh-huh. And well, I, I, again, you know, look, you know, we are good friends, and I'm not going. This is not a, a unlike the show that you referenced before, the Rischa Daraisa, which, you know, part of the dynamic is the uh, is me and my Bechaper insulting each other and arguing with each other to to a degree. I have to say, you know, Nelson. All that being said, I, you know, I, all you've convinced me is that that modern Hebrew has antecedents which are fascinating, interesting. Um, but that it's actually, you know, and, and, and one can, by speaking it, become a lot more um, uh, sensitive and knowledgeable about where the source of his language is, which will take him back to Psukim. As I said, the people who criticized your uh, original drusha over there, wherever that was in Takuma, the person in the marketplace who felt that you were speaking in this highfalutin language, they aren't that interested in it. To them, this is just the means of communication. This is a means not to study. It's not a means of thinking about where the source of that word is. There's always going to be an interesting column in Haaretz or some other place that's going to analyze where that root is from, just like we have in English. And that's going to be fascinating for people who have are looking for something to do after the Cholent on Shabbos afternoon. But I don't think it's necessarily going to enhance and uh, unless you want to say on some mystical level the fact that the, the terminology that you're using is a is a cousin uh half brother uh an extension and of, of of the language that was in ensconced in tanakh and that somehow allows you to to channel the kedusha that's in the chavtawat sifrei kodesh and again I, I it's hard for me to to embrace this i i will say that Again, we know if anybody that studies Tanakh, and you obviously uh, uh, have shown here in, um, in in this little conversation with me, uh, where of course I wasn't ready for it, but <laughs> and I, I agree, you are the you are clearly a champion in Tanakh versus myself. But I do know enough about Tanakh, Nelson, that the type of uh, constructions that you are going to find in Sefer Eov. For example, do not exist in the earlier Sfarim. Even the Sefer Yeshaya, which many people point uh, as the pinnacle of biblical Hebrew, many people will point to Sefer Yeshaya as the ultimate. Tehillim and Yeshaya both sort of, I think, compete in many people's minds for incredible, poetic, uplifting language. But if you take a look at Sefer Eov, you have many, many Aramaic um, uh, roots and other things that have that piled 
up to the point that, you know, it's one of the most difficult svarim to learn because there's so many uh, interpretations about what the Pusik is really saying and what's it, what's it trying to do because the philologists like Radak uh, and others and Eben Ezra and Ralbag, uh, you know, are, are really duking it out. And you see when you have a book like Eov that this was a language that actually developed, a language that uh, a safer that 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 was that even though we say Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it, but it clearly has influences from the latest uh, relationship to Aramaic around it, much more than any other safer in, in, in Tanakh. So obviously, there's been a progression, and even in Tanakh itself, the 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 sort of like strident and very strong language that's used by the Ovos is layered by the time you get to David HaMelech in Tehillim, uh, in Yeshaya, and Yecheskel, right? There's, there's a lot more complexity in the narrative, those, those narrative words that are used by, by, by Yeshayahu than there is by Avram Avinu explaining to uh, Avimelech why he was lying or whatever it was, right? There's the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the, the language clearly shows a development and then a, uh, a, a, a culturalization by the time you get to the sort of the end of Tanakh in Ksuvim. So, yeah, you know, I, you know it, it would be wrong to, to, to freeze everything in amber and say, oh, this is what this language is. It's not meant to develop. Clearly, Tanakh itself shows that development. However, once Tanakh, the canon, is sealed, again, who decides how it now expands? Is it these uh, eggheads, uh, uh, the eggheads in uh, the, the Ben Yehudas of today, or is it does 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 it develop organically by the people speaking it, <laughs> the ones who right the right and um, yeah. Well, it definitely it definitely changes based upon the people who speak it. There's no question about it. And 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 um, I I for one, I'm not, I'm not the only one, but I. <laughs> Who does this? But I kind of moan and groan every once in a while about about the aridus adiris that uh, that happens. And, you know, once once upon a time, if you walk through you know walk through a city in Eretz Yisrael, you never saw it was probably even against the law to have a business sign written in any language other than English. I mean, other other than Hebrew, excuse me. You know, so if you so if you wanted to open up a laundry mat, you know, you had to call it a machbesa. Um, Nothing you could do about it, you know. And 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 nowadays, you know, you walk down the street instead of a machbesa, which is a nice Hebrew word, you know, can't get any more authentic than that. You're going to have laundry mat, you know, a lamad vav nun dalid resh yud men tet, you know. So and so I I I do think there is a there is a well there's a change of the language whether it's a degeneration. Or not depends on on what your attitude is is towards towards you know classical forms versus versus living forms, and that's a that's an argument that I'm not you know really inclined to get into. There's no point but, in. But shouldn't you? I mean, as a kabbalist, and that's part of the raison d'etre of this show. Whether you know you know you know you, when you put on your kabbalist face, you know isn't kabbalah based on certain primal and unchanging you know principles of language 
we talked about when we gave our when we talked about Abulafium, we talked about the create even what I mentioned earlier about the language of the creation of the world. You know, you know do you think God was saying right? He wasn't saying that, right? That that didn't happen, right? There's certain you know, we, we study this language, it's it's holy because we we, we, we we jump into it and there's certain unchanging forms, uh right? Or yeah. yeah. So, I mean, despite the smattering of smattering of Egyptian words that that uh, you know that that occur in the in the uh, in the Chumash, you know, right around that period of time, obviously Egyptian words like you know Tzofnak Paneach and and uh, um, right. So yeah, you know, and, but, and which which Kabbalists have said, you know, uh, shows the holiness that can you know maybe this is. A sort of uh, apologi- apologizing for it, but they all talk. Oh, you see, oh, the holiness of Aramaic, that uh, Yaakov and Lovan, you know, Yagar Sadusa. So Yagar Sadusa. Right. So that yeah. shows you that Aramaic was meant to serve as the handmaiden for these uh, incredibly subtle and important ideas. The Zohar itself, written in Aramaic, uh, you know, in a in a in a in medieval or Aramaic. Uh, it's very well, different. Have you ever? Have you ever heard the the uh, the medrash where it asks why did Hashem begin a sale to by saying Anochi? Because because uh, uh, Bnei Israel had gotten yeah. oh, okay. no because Bnei Israel had been in uh, Egypt for a long time they kind of lost their their feel for Hebrew so uh, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu introduced himself with an Egyptian word and Anochi was an Egyptian word because yeah. uh, Ankh. Ankh. Yes, yes, it's uh yeah. Well, let me ask so, you. So I mean and that that medrash exists. I mean I I I think to Rav Kahana I think somewhere but but it it, it exists. Yeah, it's so it's a kind of a radical thing. And it's yeah. fascinating. Well, let me ask you something that that you know an area where I think we are we we can uh, really chew on and I think without any sort of rancor or disagreement or quibbling. Uh and that is um the Havara. Um, oh, and, yes. I, and, and now, so explain to me, you know, make a case why, even from, you know, Kabbalistic perspective, uh, the proper way to pronounce, even within maybe your own tefillot, is the what has been accepted in, in, in modern Israel. Now, we know, just before you answer, the, you know, uh, uh, sociologists and others will tell you that there was a certain um uh rebellious part of the original israeli or the hebraist the the diaspora hebraists to sort of like distance themselves from the altaheim and adopt in their mind what was the sfardi tra- pronunciation it it doesn't actually sound like some of the iraqis or or yemenites or others but it was sort of like the these these european these russians who thought this is what Ivrit, this language should stand should sound like, and therefore they adopted right. en masse a Sephardi pronunciation, throwing out the Suf and other things that were part of their parents' tradition. And therefore, when they became the prime movers and shakers in Eretz Yisrael, there was a, a, an insistence that not only were these the words that were going to be used, but the way they would be expressed would be in the pseudo-Sephardic a method that's become the Israeli way of speaking the language. Right. Can you justify that as proper and Kabbalistically sound? 
well, I, I don't know. I don't know about Kabbalistically sound. Okay. I, I can, I mean, according, if you want to be, you know, talk about Kabbalah, okay, then there is a system of what they call Kavatvan. It's 22 letters, right? And the 22 letters are actually um, more letters when you add the uh, the six letters that change their pronunciation with a Dagesh or without a Dagesh, with a dot or without a dot. And um, so that would, that six, it's 22 plus six gives you what, 29, 28? Once again, I'm terrible with math, you know that. 20, yes, 28, yeah. 28, okay. Right? So, so it's koyach it's, it's when you when you take the beged kefet and you add that to the, to the, to the kaf is oisius. And these oisias come out of some place called Hei Okay, so there's five categories of uh, five categories of letters, which uh, which um, are made in different parts of the mouth. Okay, and um, like Otiotagaron is is Aleph Hei Chet Ayin. Otiotachech is Gimul Yud Chav Kuf Gichat. Otiota Lashon is Danta Lanat. And then you have Otiota Shinaim, which is Zashratz. And then you have Otiot Hape, which is Bumap or Bomap or Bavmap, whatever. But the problem, the problem, one of the problems that we have, by the way, if, we, if you just take the standard Ashkenazi pronunciation of any of these, is that we're obviously missing. We don't have sounds for a lot of letters. We just, in our tradition, okay, we don't have an ayin and a het, which is which is an obvious failing, because the and the and the and the Sephardishers who lived in Arabic lands, okay, obviously do have a do have a het and an ayin. So it's aleph, het, ayin, hey. Okay, um, you know, but the other the other letters also get will get you in trouble. What's the difference between um, you know what's the difference between a kaf and a kuf? Who needs two letters if it's a kaf and a kuf and they both pronounce the same? You know, um, what's the difference between a vav, which we pronounce a vav, and a vet, which is the same, which is a bet without a dagesh? All right. So the truth is that that it's very it's very hard to find um, somebody anybody who has a living tradition as to how all of the kaf bet otiot are supposed to be are supposed to be pronounced and. Somebody might say that it's the Taimanim have it, but that doesn't appear to be the case because the Taimanim, I mean, I, you know, I don't like to argue with anybody. So I don't, I don't know what all the Taimanim have and how all the Taimanim pronounce everything. Okay. But the gen generally, the Taimanim, let's say, have a, have a Gimel and a Jimel, which you would imagine distinguishes between a Gimel with a Dagesh and a Gimel without a Dagesh. All right. Here's the problem with the Taimanim Gimel Jimel is that, that um, there's every time a letter has a dagesh in it, it has a soft sound. When it has no dagesh, it's a hard sound. And the temanim pronounced the gimel with a dagesh gimel, and the gimel without a dagesh gimel. So that's very that's very iffy, just on the face of it. Um, an additional problem is is that is that a gimel is a composite sound. It's composed of a of a of a uh, Dalit and a shin, you know, 
So, and generally the principle would be that each one of the kafbet atvan needs to be unique. It's not, it's not like when we, when we pronounce a tzadi as being a combination T and, you know, tet and zayin, okay, that's obviously not what a tzadi is supposed to be because obviously if, you know, if you needed a sound like that, you just write a tet and a zayin. Mm -hmm. But Hebrew doesn't have any composite sounds. It's, each sound is authentic, which is why, you know, people who know will tell you that it's not a tzadi at all. It's a sadi. It's, it's, a, it's an aspirated S. It's, it's, mm. it's between a, um, it's not a samech and it's not a shin. It's a sadi. It's a independently existing It's item. a lisp. It, it almost sounds like a, a, yeah. a, a person with a lisp would say it. Yeah, right? yeah, sadi. And you know, so and imagine me, I'm walking around Eretz Yisrael, you know, and some some old guy, some this happens to be by way of Temani, he's you know, Ataro Rosel Knot Masaf Lahag. Okay, I don't know what, like what, but you know, but he's pronouncing it, he's pronouncing his Hebrew properly. I know that one of the um, things that I uh, and we, we we by the way have completely lost this. One of the I know the Briskers um, uh, were, and, and I I uh, experienced this my first uh, in my first month or two in Eretz Yisrael when I was davening uh, in uh, the Mir Yeshiva for uh, Yom Kippur uh, Mariv. Or maybe it was Rosh Hashanah Marv. I think it was Rosh Hashanah actually. And the brisker who was sitting next to me uh, kept on repeating the Shema over. And I, I, you know, I was really primed because you know it was a wonderful period. I was able to be part of the slichot of this great yeshiva. I saw my Rebbe Rav Nochem Partsovich in, in, in such pain and yet such passion, davening towards God. And when I sat next to this fellow, that that was my assigned seat, and I thought I'd done a really wonderful job. Here I was, you know, 17 years old. Yeah, okay, now I'm here at this great yeshiva saying Shema. And then I hear him uh, minutes afterwards with his head bowed down, you know, pushing himself saying Shemang, Shemang, Shemang. And this was a part of, there were two things going on. There was his kavana that he wanted to make sure he was being makabal omochu shamayim properly. But also, he wanted to make sure that he was articulating, since it's a mitzvah in Torah, to say these specific words, to say it according to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the ayin according to the temani way of stressing it, right? Where it isn't just some sort of breathless, you know, some sort of little breath yeah. olive, but it actually has a, it has a, I don't know if you call it a... Why don't I... Why don't I do the just go through all the ICS for you? Okay, there uh, probably what I'm going to give you is the way that the way that the uh, pronunciation was preserved in the island of Jerba off the coast of Tunisia. This is and these are these are people who claim to have this Messiah and they're very very you know they're very orangutan in it. They really they really believe in this. They really believe that they got it right. Okay, so here goes. Aleph, we all know that's common to all to all traditions. Um, bet vet is common to all traditions. Gimal is a bit of a is a bit tricky because according to the uh, you know according to these Tunisians, it's gimal and rimal. Ooh. Whatever they gimal and rimal. 
which by the way has has corollaries in Arabic and it's and it's 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 really it's really eisgehalten, right? Um, because gimel is always an otchech, it's it's pronounced on the roof of the mouth, and 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 therefore if you roll the gimel, it comes out a rimal. So a so a gimel without a dagesh is r, and a gimel with a dagesh is g. And you'll hear some you'll see you'll hear some hazanim that will say Baruch Ata Hashem Maren Avraham. <laughs> wow. And you have to distinguish also between the rimal and the resh, because the resh is on the front of the mouth and the rimal is on the roof of the mouth. That's the difference between the between the sound. Okay. So in the the rimal has now become what is called the Israeli R. Um, because that, that was taken over from French, I, I, I guess, somehow or another, right? Uh, gimel, Rimel, we can all do Dalid and Dalid, by the way, because we have, we have a soft TH in, in English. So Dalid and Dalid, if it doesn't have a dot, which means that we can all be Ma'arich, the Dalid of Shema, until the cows come home, you know, or until you run out of breath. With a hard D, a hard D. Can't do it with a hard D, but the, the Dalid at the end of it has is a soft dalit. It doesn't have a dagesh in it. So it's in Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokim Hashem. Okay. Okay. So that's and you know that's really cool. I wonder. I wonder if the, your your brisker who was sitting next to you knew how to do dalit. That would have. That would have. You know. Um, I don't think he because, did. Because the dalit is a the, the dalit at the end of echad is a total conundrum to anybody that grew up. Uh, you know, grew up Ashkenaz. Oh yeah. And you yes, have so, hey. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, wow, vav is a w. Wow, and hey, wow. Zion, everybody does the same. Het, ot garon, het. Um, now tet is a trick because mo- most people don't. Most do not differentiate at all between a tet and a taf. So far as I know, a taf is towards the front of the mouth and it has a little bit of spit in it. T, 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 and a tet. A tet is at the back of the mouth, so it's kind of like a softer, a slightly softer sound. Tet, yod, everybody got. Kaf, chaf, everybody has. Uh, Lamed, mem, nun, samech, samech, ayin is a, once again down in the throat. Ayin, uh, samech, ayin. What comes after ayin? Pei. Pei. Pei, everybody does the same. Pei, fei, no chidushim no, no there. Uh, Pei. Sadi, as I said before, is kind of an aspirated, lispy sound. Sadi. Hof is done in the back of the throat. You can hear that, by the way. You know, when, when George Bush used to get up and say, we're going to fight Al-Qaeda. And somebody who actually knows Arabic would say, it's not, it's not Al-Qaeda, it's Al-Qaeda. Uh-huh. Okay, back, it's a hof in the back of the throat. Kuf, Resh, Shin. By the way, and a Shin, Smali. Right, that you with that we call it a sin, is actually a case of kriyachtiv. It's written with a shin and it's pronounced with, and it's read with a samach. It's a right. din kriyachtiv. Yes. It's not a din in it's not a din in any of the other. It's not a beged kefet. Uh, right. You switch. can see you can see that from you know the Rambam, of course, where he you know hilchas sota, <laughs> and the Rambam is of course a sin of, of uh, teshe. It's not a samach, and that's right. just a difference between. Talmudic, Mishnaic uh, writing, and Tanakh, where the, the people understood when they were reading Tanakh that there were these nekudot yeah. weren't true, 
And that's how, yeah, that, that much I know. Well, I, actually, actually, I, I, re, I recall Gamar's, I believe, in Sanhedrin that was talking about the evils of drinking wine, and it's and and uh, you know, it's it's yain yisamach levav enosh, altrikli yisamach el yishamach, or it's or it's or it's a it's ksiv yishamach and it's nikra yisamach. So I had that really befuddled me. I don't remember the Gemara's exactly, but I remember how confused I was by by trying to figure them out. Uh, because I very quickly concluded that Shin and Sin don't make any sense in terms of pronunciation, unlike the rest of the letters to change their pronunciation based on a Dagesh or without. Um, but anyway, Kof, Resh, Shin, and then you have Tau, Tav, or Tau, or Thau, which is the hard TH. So it's the difference between what you have, like, like, um, like Theory, which is one kind of TH, and Thread, which is a different kind of TH. Mm. That's your. That, those are your. Those are your two toughs, huh? Those are your two toughs. Well, that's a. That's a tough. That's a dalid lo dagush and or dalid lo dagusha and a and a and a tough lo dagusha. Aha! Wow, that's the tough and the dalid are sort of like almost twins, right? Or twins, right? Well, that, and, and that's why they're both they're otiota shinaim danta lanat is, is uh-huh. uh, you know. Okay, wow. so they're they so, are closely so, related. So so. Look, this is very impressive. Is this the way you daven? Is this the way you pray? No, we... no. <laughs> I pray. I pray. What I try to do, what I try to do is I try to get the mila'elu mila'rak correct. Because that's something that even Ashkenaz Jews who had, knew how to do. Our Sidurim have little lines where you're supposed to put the, where you're supposed to put the stress when you pronounce the word. And in Hebrew, every word always gets the stress either on the last syllable or on the next to last syllable. So get these, you know, this balt filo that gets up and says, um, yit gadal v'yit kadash. Yeah. What yit gadal v'yit kadash? That's completely wrong. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. If you want to make a mistake, so you, so you can, you can be like, you know, you can do it Hasidish, you know, yisgadal, yisgadal, yiskadish. Okay, so that's yeah. a bit closer because at least it, could conceivably be correct, maybe in some planet other than the one we live on. But really, it's you know, it's it's Yit Gadal the Yit Kadash. Points all okay. taken. Let me, but let me get you back to my original question to you, or at least the question yeah. that we were going into, which is, do you believe from a religious slash Kabbalist? Again, Kabbalistic, you weren't ready to commit that the Havara Havara. That uh, that the that is that is common and uh, considered standard in you know in, in Eretz Yisrael is closer and more. You know, obviously, it aligns you more with the living community, and that's an important thing because your ability to effectively communicate is increased by your ability to sound and speak uh, the language. Lincoln understood this; all great communicators did. Um, but if from a religious perspective, do you feel that it was a positive, not just the fact that they created a language that unified people and gave people like you a big physic when you heard people gossiping and muttering in the street in that language, in terms of the religious persona, is it better to adopt this way of pronouncing in Tfilah? Do you think so? That's a that's a good question. I didn't in my personal practice. Okay, I like I you know I daven the way that my father taught me to daven, and I I I believe in that because, 
you know, this is this is this is my this is my this is my Messiah. And in any event, I'm not going to get I mean, you know, I once tried reading Megillah Sester for a Sephardish congregation, pronouncing all the, the hats and the lions. And, and I, I made such a it's not that I made a mess of it, but it sounded so ridiculous. And I was having so much pain that they told me, just, you know, just read it regular. It's OK. <laughs> you know, yeah. We'll be yitzy with you. Um, so, in but, other words, um, so in other words, you're willing to sacrifice whether it was correct or not. But your intent and your feeling and, and your emotion and your lack of of, of, of not being self-conscious was crucial so the way yeah. you have the way you have been uh taught or the way you've been uh soaked in a certain way to speak it's continue that because it's natural and what's going to come out is more heartfelt and and, and more real as opposed and also, to also be, also because it's you know it's 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 a messiah you know language language is a messiah is a is a messiah Okay, and and uh, one of the rules, one of the rules in halacha that I know of is that if my father tells me this is an esrig, it's an esrig, and you can bring me all the, you know, you can bring me all the scientific analyses that you want, and an esrig is not going to be anything different than what my father told me is an esrig, and and you know, you can it's, once again, this is this is the point of contention, I know, but but uh, but those you know, stubborn it's, those stubborn it's, it's Israelis, but those stubborn Israelis. Who were part of no. those, but who were part of those original well, academies? Let me let me tell you what happened with that. Okay, uh, you know, um, I'll tell you what. Really, the, where I had the question was with my kids, because with my children, the possibility that they were going to come out saying Buruch Atu, or even Baruch Ato, uh, was was non-existent. All right, so they were going to come out davening halavai they should daven, you know. They were going to come come out davening Israeli style. So I had to ask myself, you know, how does so, so how does this work? And the, the, listen, the MS the MS is that, you know, we live in Eretz Israel. The dominant pronunciation in this part of the world is the Sephardi pronunciation, which has five vowels, a, e, i, o, and u. Okay, and the difference between a patach and a, and, a, and a kamatz is that a kamatz is a long sound, and a patach is a short sound, which is why a patach brings with it a dagesh in the letter that follows, and a kamatz does not. Okay, and that's, you know, and, and it's a completely legitimate method of pronouncing, of pronouncing the vowels. So if, I'm, if I move to Eretz Yisrael, and these are, and this is how people daven, this is how people speak, Okay, and, and Sephardim use this pronunciation. And Sephardim are Rav Minyan Varev Binyan of, of, of Eretz Yisrael, at least in this particular generation. So I come to Eretz Yisrael and I have my, I have my shtick. I can't pronounce a hat and I can't pronounce an ayin. So what am I going to do? Or what are my kids going to do? Because my kids are not going to pronounce hats and ayins either. So what are they going to do? So it is a legitimate way for them to daven because, you know, it's more or less correct, right? They're not, you know, the, the, the Sephardi pronunciation of vowels is not, in, is not in of itself wrong. What's wrong is the inability to pronounce hat and ayin. That's what's, you know, that's what's wrong. Okay, so fine. But they're, and, if, and if they were doing it Ashkenazish, they would still not be pronouncing hats and ayin, right? So you can't, 
so basically, it seems to be, at least for a lot of people, there was some halachic justification for accepting the common pronunciation of Hebrew as it, as it was. And this, is, and this is the way, in the Tzionishi Yeshivas, obviously, this is, this is the way that uh, it, was, it was accepted. Um, except it's kind of funny, I don't, and I don't understand this, like Rav Tzvi Yehuda and, and the other, like the serious Talmud Chachamim from, uh, from, Yeshiv, you know, from Yeshivas, Yeshivas Merkaz Harov, Okay, Yeshivat Milkaz Arav. They always used to pronounce Shem Adnus Ashkenazish. Even right. if they said words, So, in other words, Adonai. They wouldn't say Adonai. They would say Adonai. No, they would say yeah. They would say Noi. They would say Adonai. Which means, you know, I, so I say, listen, you know, Admota Admosai or Admatai Atem Poschim Oshtei Hasifim. You know, really, because if, if this is because if this is kosher, this is trade. You know, this so. I don't see I don't see any particular advantage in 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 making that switch. Hmm. But anyway, Al Kolponim, you know, for somebody who who that's the way they daven, that's the way they grew up, that's the way they got Hebrew. I don't think that I don't think that that uh, that current spoken Hebrew or current modern Hebrew is any bigger of a kilkul than any of the other kilkulim that we that we have all the time. I mean, at the very at the very least, they're not saying sof, because sof is absolutely incorrect no matter which way you which way you slice it. <laughs> okay, as you know, if, if you if if you say tough and tough and you're Nashkenazi, okay, it's still correct because if you don't put in a dagesh, if you don't if you if you don't pronounce the difference between a dagesh and a not dagesh, you're reading Sefer Torah. You're not supposed to. They're not supposed to correct you on that because the word the name the meaning of the word doesn't change, right? So if you so 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 if somebody you know reads uh, reads chado in kado, okay, it means the same thing. So you don't have to correct on that. So but, Mamele, but, if, but if somebody says um, Kisisa, which was last week's Parsha, Kisisa, then it's completely incorrect, right? According to what you're saying. Completely incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's ki if you say kitisa and you're Ashkenazish, it's correct. If you say kitisa and you're and you're Taimonish or, or Tunisian, it's it's uh, it's correct. Now, if you say kisisa, that's just switching a samach for a tough. I mean, that makes no sense. Okay, and and this this happened to us spontaneously because we were living in Germany, you know, and in Germany they didn't have this th sound, all right, and 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 therefore the closest approximation to a soft th eventually became a samach, right, and that's how that crept in. So if, so if my kids went and now they and now they daven, you know, baruch ata, okay, it's probably less makulkal, objectively speaking, than if they were than if they were davening. Uh, you know anything else, and the only claim that you could say is that there's no Messiris for this particular kind of for this particular kind of of uh, pronunciation. That's true. There is no Messiah, but you know, they're here. This is what they got. This is what they learned in Cheder. This is you know. And, and what are you going to do about it? Okay, and, you, you know, and, and, you're helpless and, against it. Right, and that was the hand of history, which we know is the hand of God ultimately. So whatever these, whatever hopefully. these, whatever these, you know, pro, these early Zionists, you know, they're they're they're. Their anger, as Rav Cook, as that's how points out, they might have had incredible anger and terrible feeling towards, you know, what had been religious Judaism, but that no one could doubt their passion to create something which they felt was for the betterment of of the Ummah, of the Ummah. <laughs> you're getting. You're, By you're, the way, you're going to make do, me very self conscious on this. I do have to this. point. Yeah, I do have to point that. Okay. Well, I have to I have to point out something to you. This is and this is really weird because there really was a bastard version of Hebrew. 
that was that was fronted by big Zionists. And this had to do with the poets, the big Zionist poets, uh, whatever they, um, the the Safrut like Bialik, you're talking about Bialik and 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 the Berdichovsky and Chernichovsky, Chernichovsky, all of all of the big, you know, is Hebrew poets of the of the early like you know pre Medina period, right? Yes, sure. So they decided that they were going to continue to use because of the meter of the poetry, they were going to continue to use the the um, stresses of their European background. Mm-hmm. Now, even though, and, and they were, however, they were going to abandon the Ashkenazi pronunciation in of itself and opt for the, opt for the Sephardi pronunciation. So it, it, you, there you end up with something that really, really is a, 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 a kind of uh, grafting. You know, they're using Sephardi pronunciation for the you know for the vowels, but they're still using the emphases of the of the um, of their Ashkenazi background. So I got exposed to this because there was a song which was kind of popular at one point, and they it went like this: Omrim Yeshna Eretz Eretz Shchurat Shemesh Ayeyota Eretz Ayeyota Shemesh. I'm saying, what the heck are they singing? I don't understand a word. First of all, it's not Omrim, it's Omrim. Omrim, it's not Yeshna, it's Yeshna. Omrim, Yeshna, Eretz. Well, Eretz, they got right. It's not Shechurat Shemesh, darkened by the sun. It's, it's, it's Shechurat Shemesh. And Ayeyota, what is Ayeyota? Well, it's Ayeyota, Eretz. What is this language? Well, it turns out this is the specific poetic language of those early Zionist poets who decided to do that. And, yeah. and 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 as you okay. say, they and, sort of and right now was, they are carried right, forward. But this right was, now they're most, carried it's forward. Mostly a curiosity, though. Right, yes, but I think is. that it, I, I think that in Israeli schools now, um, you know, there isn't much um, effort being devoted into no. expanding uh, these people, other than applauding them for their love of the land and for their desire to. Uh, to create uh, a, a sort of a, a spoken medium that was different and that would that well, would it, it was poetic medium, but I mean, you know, at, at any at any rate, I, I don't know anybody that 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 attempts to write poetry in that in that form any longer, because it's basically Yiddish. It's 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 Yiddish rhythms with Sephardi pronunciation. Uh-huh. Okay, and that's what and you know, and that's that's what you get. Well, let's end today with. Um... A statement that I believe the Meshachachma writes. One, Mesh- one great advantage of Meshachachma <laughs> is that it's virtually impossible. Well, it's not. No, it's not impossible. It's much more difficult to mispronounce the Milarai and Milael of your of your Hebrew if you do the Sephardi Sephardi method, Sephardi pronunciation of the vowels, because the Ashkenaz vowels are also somewhat distorted. The minute you say Choylam, right? You've already strengthened that vowel, and then it, it, it reflects on everything else that you say. So it's 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 melech ha'olam instead of melech ha'olam. Okay, uh, right. Although there, I think there are correctives that you can put into your mind that 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 will allow that. And you can yeah. you can hear very good balitvila who are able to do that. Again, having some uh, unfortunate experience and having to daven for the amud 
a number of times when I lost my uh, parents and then when I lost my sister, uh, I tried to uh, align myself, at least not to make those mistakes in terms of Merah and Mil'el. I will just end again with this Meshachachma, who talks about the idea of, 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 of seeing ourselves sometimes like our children and grandchildren. You mentioned that you don't have around the house as often as you did, but isn't it cute whatever they say, right? With the lift, <laughs> mispronunciation, and all the parent has is a tremendous feeling of love, right? The parent, that's the sweetest thing in the world when he says, um, you know, I want my peanut butter. Well, I want it right. Or, you know, you know, instead of saying he wants a cantaloupe, he wants an envelope. Can I have a piece of the envelope? Right. Or instead right. of saying they want to go to the restaurant, they want to go to the restaurant. And when you hear that, whenever you remember it, you just love your kids more. In the same way, the Rabona Shalom knows that we are Karutze Chomel and that we definitely are probably well, I know in my case, are probably getting it wrong when we're opening up our words. But perhaps God, uh, and it's a wonderful image, will look at us the same way we look at our at our children and the grandchildren and, and fondly, despite the Amen. inconsistencies and, and, and just love us to pieces over that. Thanks for the thanks for the uh, uh, for the primer in proper or at least uh, different types of theoretically proper of, of, of these of these languages take care everybody we'll see you next time bye-bye thanks for joining us for another episode from the yeshiva of newark at idt podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode